that portrays this like the 2007 uh, Disney hit Mean Girls remember that movie okay those of you who saw it Becca was in fever and she goes oh my gosh that's my wife and and because you had these cliques you had the jocks you had the the, the mathletes you had the fan geeks you had all these groups you had awful names and then you had the plastic Katie Heron, the main character, comes in nudity school into the town of Atlanta and learns that American Idiot is a Well, not unlike Mean Girls, Jesus has been invited. If you heard what Zach read at the beginning of chapter 14, Jesus has been invited to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, comma, looking to trap him. They want him because he's not part of their group. He's a rabbi that's not doing this Jewish thing the way they think he ought to do it. But yet he's got a great following. And so the setting here in this stage of this dinner party is Jesus, number one, challenges them on their view of the Sabbath, which is so legalistic. It's not a gift to them. It's a only rule-keeping follow is religion. And he heals a person with edema. That's a dropsy, isn't it? Edema is a condition where the liquid goes down into the blood. Life-threatening for most of the Pharisees at that time. Second, he then turns to all the people because he's noticed that, that they, everybody that comes to this party won't fit with the fine streets. It was a, it was a, it was a tradition in the Jewish of the house, you've got to pay the table. Nobody wants to sit down with the fine streets. And he tells all the guests, you, you can't even stop. Because in God's kingdom, you don't take the lowest things. And then, if you get up and walk around with the last, you get promoted to last place. Move up. For everyone who humbles himself will be exalted, and everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Killing the prophecy of the Elijah. Now, about that it's out of nervous energy or this guy's just trying to inject some levity to the conversation or a, a good Bible 
meeting do. But he lifts up his glass, I imagine, and he yells out, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. <laughs> dilly dilly. <laughs> and Jesus hears the, at the banquet table, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So Jesus turns our thoughts to the ultimate banquet here. And teaches us three great things which we all should know as followers of Christ. I invite you to open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 14. We're going to focus just on verses 15 to 24 today. What we're going to learn is the great invitation of God in Jesus Christ. Two, the typical excuses the human race makes in rejecting Christ. And three, God's successive response to them to the world first of all so in verse 16 and 17 jesus begins to tell the parable where he says a man once gave a great banquet and invited many and at the time of the banquet he sent his servant to say to those who have been invited come for everything now is ready this is a man of immense wealth all right this is a person who's got incredible wealth, and he wants to share it with the whole community. And it was the typical way to make invitations if you wanted to invite everybody out to dinner at your house, in your village. You would send two invitations. We know this from Esther, and this continued in the Jewish tradition all the way to the 5th century AD, where the Midrash says, you never go to a party unless you're invited twice. You know, so first you send a, a formal invitation out by writing. You are cordially invited to the crab feast at Jean's house, you know, and then you send your servants out, knock on their doors and say, hey, the feast is ready. Come on. All right. So to accept the first invitation and to deny the second invitation is an absolute unbelievable insult in that culture oh yeah i'm gonna go and then you don't go oh no oh no so i'm sure at this time you can hear a pin drop but i think what we need to understand is that he says he invited many to the banquet the initial invite is immense because that's the heart of God for us, ladies and gentlemen. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And what we get when we walk in him is Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit in this life and one day we will be at the banquet table where he's at the head and then serving everyone who's placed their trust in him. That We have that to look forward to in Jesus Christ. And it's immense. And it's wonderful. When we're explaining the gospel to people, it's important that they understand that we receive Christ so that we can live for his glory and not my own. My identity is not as an athlete or as a band person or as a mean girl or my appearance. And all are welcome to this table. Everyone. So that's the first thing we need to understand, that this is an incredible, immensely wealthy person who invites everybody. But 
as is typical, some excuses come. The first one comes in verse uh, 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Now that's quite an excuse, isn't it? All right. You bought a piece of real estate and you didn't bother to look at it before you bought it. You know, like my friend Vic Evans says, hello, you know, it's not, that doesn't make any sense. But at least he's a little polite there and says, please have me excused. The second excuse is not a real estate excuse. It's a business excuse. I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to examine them. Please have me excused. You've already made up your mind. You're on your way to examine them, okay? That's just rude. And by the way, who buys five, that's 10 oxen, that's 25,000 pounds, I don't know what it is, of, of bovine, whatever, and um, you, you, you didn't check them out before you bought them? I mean, you certainly would have, checked them out to know that they could actually pull what they suppose oxen pull, right? It's excuse. So those are the two uh, business, if you will, possession excuses. And here's the one that just, just, just gets them all, right? Verse 20, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. This guy might have quoted Deuteronomy 24, 5, where, yeah, husband and wives, you were, you were given a year off from responsibilities and what have you. You didn't have to work. You didn't have to plow your fields. You were excused from military service. But you don't turn down the party. <laughs> that, 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 this is terse and rude response. And what Jesus is trying to say here in showing these excuses, these are the exact kind of excuses in his day and ours, people say, in the church. This is, he's talking to the choir here, friends, about excuses people give not to fully follow Jesus Christ. I got to get going. I can't have time with you, Lord. I'm too busy. I can't make it to church. I got, I got work to do. I can't make it to church because it's a one o'clock kickoff at the Browns game, even though we have three services. Okay? I, I, I can't make it because my kids got kickoff uh, of their game. My kids play a travel sport, and their game begins at 10 o'clock. And we got to let the little sweethearts get their rest. Well, maybe that says more about your Saturday night and where you, the important things in your life truly are, Jesus is saying. To the church, he's saying this. Okay, because these guys are all in, right? This is a Pharisee. You see, he's calling us, my friends, to a banquet which represents eternal satisfaction. It is the fullness of life in Jesus Christ, full of joy, full of hope, full of meaning and purpose. And you're going to go check your oxen? You're going to go 
check your field, which you already bought? You're, your wife would probably want a break from your sorry rear end. I don't care how new she is. <laughs> My friends, it's important for us to understand Jesus is coming to them and to us with a laser-beamed rocket saying, no excuses. This is what people do if they want to reject Jesus. So it's important for us to sit up and listen to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's gentle and calling us to himself and making sure that, that we don't give such excuses back to the Lord. This isn't just Sunday attendance. It's our whole life in Christ that he's talking to here. And so then there's a response that God gives, and it was, it's very pointed. He then says, the servant, verse 21, came and reported all these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done and there's still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be full. There's two things that happen here. First, the master of the house is angry at the people in the community that make excuses not to follow him. John 3.36 says, For the wrath of God is still upon them. The wrath of God is his settled, controlled anger towards all things that separate people from him, such as our excuses. And the person who's making excuses for not following him, they don't have the abundant life and their soul is in danger. But notice, he doesn't stop there. He says, go out. And the servant said, boss, I already did that. And there's still room. And then the Lord says, go out and compel them. Go and reach into the hedges. You know, if you go to Williamsburg, Virginia, there's these beautiful colonial gardens with hedges all over. That it gives you the idea that the servant goes in because these people are hiding in the hedges. Because they don't see themselves worthy. They're in the village. Tell them to come to the banquet. You know, some people have used that word compel. It also means force them. It does. Force them to come. Some times in the church historically, it has been used abusively. The Spanish Inquisition had great compulsion upon people who disagreed with them. It was an awful time in church history. But that's not what Jesus is meaning here. There's a natural reticence for these poor, the blind, the lame, the sick, because those were the unwanted. They weren't in the right clique in that culture because. The, the people in the synagogue felt, well, God, you did something to deserve that. You shouldn't be with us. And that's the way they were treated. And Jesus says, okay, if they're not going to come, go out and invite the undesirables. 
the friends in low places. And go invite them. He's referring to the Gentiles. He's referring to our neighbors where we live, work, and play. Persuade them of the truth of that cross. Persuade them of the truth of the resurrection. And do so with gentleness and respect and love. No, my friends. We're called to be a community of all kinds of people. A community of educated and less educated. A community of black, white, Hispanic. Whatever is in our community should be represented here among God's church. All are welcome because we do have friends. And there will be a great banquet one day, Revelation 19 says. That we're going to look around and say, <laughs> you're here? Wow. <laughs> That's surprising. And he's looking at you and go, you're here? That's surprising. That's what God does because all are welcome at this table. Because it screams of the wonderful mercy of God. One of my, one of my tr great weekly traditions as I'm doing housework around the house, I listen to a sermon of some kind I've been trying to listen to. I listen to usually a Gospel Coalition podcast that Kimmy has referenced me throughout the week. And then I listen to Alan Jackson and Josh Turner's gospel album. I was listening to it yesterday, and my neighbors probably thought I was crazy as I'm mowing the grass because I'm singing at the top of my lungs. They can't hear me, right? They get, my lawnmower is going, How wonderful, how marvelous, and my song will forever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. It was awesome! That's true. It's true. And we're all invited to the table. And not everybody's going to look like us. Not everybody's going to talk like us. Not everyone's going to smell like us. But there's a place at this table for everybody. And notice, it doesn't end well. Verse 24, for I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Because the ancient Jews had received the first invitation and accepted it. But the second invitation is in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Will you receive that invitation and walk in his wonderful, marvelous grace for you? Drop the excuses. Walk in the abundant life that is found in him. It's going to cost you. But he's paid it all on the cross. All the pain, all the suffering, all the agony which our Lord endured for us. You were worth it for him and for his glory. And so we're invited to the table today for a foretaste of that banquet where through the bread, his body, and the wine, his blood, remind us of this great, wonderful, merciful love for each and every one of us as we place our full trust in his work. That's the difference. No religion, but all relationship 
with the living God who loved us so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this day and grateful that we're among the friends in low places because we've been called to humble ourselves and to fully follow you. And I ask, Lord, no matter where this text encouraged or challenged each and every one of us, that we would recognize your invitation is wide and that the world's excuses ought not to be ours and that your successive response reminds us that you'll do and you'll stop at nothing to fill your banquet table. And one day, Lord, as that banquet table is completely full and we'll be in your kingdom we'll be singing how wonderful and marvelous is your love for us in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we have friends that the world thinks is in low places, but because we're low today, you'll seat us in high places. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.